Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy. It's my pleasure to welcome this podcast, Dr. Marie B.O. Dr. B.O. is a research assistant professor in the Thoracic Aortic Disease Research Lab at the University of Pittsburgh. She's also a faculty member of the McGowan Institute. Dr. B.O., welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. Thank you for having me. I know you have some exciting research that uh, is addressing the aortic disease uh, problem. Can you briefly introduce your interest and your direction in terms of your research? Absolutely. First, let me tell you a little more about the disease. So we're interested in aortic aneurysm arising specifically in the proximal area of the aorta, so right outside of the heart. We're particularly interested in this region of the aorta because there's a subset of patients who have what is called a bicuspid aortic valve. And these patients are more at risk of developing an aneurysm in this proximal region of the aorta. So let me tell you what a bicuspid aortic valve is. So in the general population, the aortic valve, which is the valve that opens when the heart ejects the blood from the left ventricle to the aorta and closes during diastole, this valve is tricuspid, meaning that it has three leaflets or three cusps. But in 1-2% to of the population, this aortic valve has only two leaflets or two cusps. And these patients, as I mentioned before, they're not only more at risk of developing an aneurysm in the ascending aorta, but they're also at higher risk of valve calcification and aortic insufficiency. And what's pretty dramatic is that these symptoms occur in the prime of their life, meaning in their 40s or 50s. So just to say a little more about aortic aneurysm in the ascending aorta. This area of the aorta is subjected to enormous amounts of pressure and other hemodynamic forces. So the aortic wall has to be strong enough to withstand those forces. This strength is provided by the extracellular matrix that is laid down between the cells and organized in a specific manner. One of the main observations that we and others have made in the context of aneurysm is that this extracellular matrix is degraded which, as you can imagine, causes the aorta to become more frail. And what happens is that because of those high hemodynamic forces in, the, in this area of the aorta, the aorta expands kind of like a balloon, and that's what an aneurysm is. Another thing to consider is the role of the cells constituting the aortic wall, and smooth muscle cells are the most prevalent cells. Another thing to consider is the role of cells constituting the aortic wall, and the smooth muscle cells are the most prevalent. And these cells are crucial for extracellular matrix production and degradation. And in case of an aneurysm, it's well accepted that these cells die, and this event occur in a non-inflammatory manner. All this being said, the broad goal of our lab is double. We want to understand the reasons why patients with a bicuspid valve, bicuspid aortic valve, are more susceptible to develop an aneurysm. And we also want to discover and develop therapeutic approaches to prevent degradation of the extracellular matrix and or invoke new production of extracellular matrix by smooth muscle cells. So thank you for that uh, brief introduction. A couple of questions come to mind. One is, is the detection of this particular disease uh, difficult or is it easy to identify people who have this particular type of affliction? It's rather difficult because this disease is known to be pretty asymptomatic. 
there are people out there walking with a bicuspid aortic valve and they don't know that they have it. Most of the time, patients find out that they have a bicuspid aortic valve during heart exams, for example. The presence of an aortic aneurysm is also quite asymptomatic. So, same thing. It's usually found out during a surveillance or during heart exam, if you will. So, I assume if you have a failed aneurysm, that's a, typically a fatal outcome? Right, exactly. The main risk with aneurysm is that they expand too much and they lead to dissection or rupture of the aorta. And in more than 50% of the cases, that's fatal. So what is the standard of care now? Uh, the standard of care right now is once a patient is diagnosed with a bicuspid aortic valve, they are followed every year to follow the progression of the diameter of the ascending aorta. And once the maximal aortic diameter reaches a, a threshold of 55 millimeter, that's when uh, there's a surgical intervention. And basically what happens is that the aneurysm is resected and we get this piece of tissue in the lab that we study, and patients get a graft, kind of like a Gore-Tex graft, to replace the ascending aorta. So the therapy is to fix the, the aneurysm. Exactly, yeah. But they still have the bicuspid valve. So in case that the bicuspid valve is not functional and, for example, is too calcified and leads to aortic insufficiency, those patients get not only aortic replacement but also aortic valve repair or replacement. If your research is totally successful, what would be the piece of knowledge or the technique that evolves from that, this particular research? Well, it's double. One is that by understanding the, the cellular and molecular mechanisms involved in development and progression of those aneurysms, we hope that we will be able to discover new therapeutic targets to prevent or slow down, if you will, the disease and prevent possibly dissection. And the other main aspect of our research is to also discover new biomarkers, possibly imaging biomarkers, that will help cardiothoracic surgeon to manage the progression of aortic aneurysm and also for them to assess the risk of dissection. Because right now, and that's kind of what started our cardiothoracic surgeon, Dr. Thomas Gleason, that's what started this whole research is that he had a patient who came to him one day with an aorta with a diameter under the surgical threshold and a few weeks or, or month after, he dissected, that patient dissected, and he was not at risk of dissection. That's a real challenge for cardiothoracic surgeons right now because they're following patients with an aortic aneurysm, but they don't know when those patients are going to dissect. There are some guidelines to help them, but there are always cases where patient dissects even if they're not considered at risk of dissection. So I, I gather that some of the focus of your studies are looking at smooth muscle cells. Absolutely. And uh, how do you believe smooth muscle cells play into this particular issue? So smooth muscle cells, as I said before, are the main cell types in the aortic wall. And they are the cell types that produce and degrades the extracellular matrix, which is key in this area of the aorta to withstand all the hemodynamic forces. What my colleague, Dr. Julie Philippi, found out a few years ago is that patients with a bicuspid aortic valve have high oxidative stress. So 
as you may know, oxygen is very important for us, for life, because without it we would not exist, but there are byproducts that results from oxygen consumption by the cells in our body. Those byproducts can have very deleterious effects on all cells of our body. It's kind of like an apple. When you leave it on the table, it tends to oxidize. It becomes all orange, you know? That's why our body has developed several cellular mechanisms, enzymes or scavenger proteins that help us to get rid of those byproducts and to prevent cellular damages. So what Dr. Philippi has shown is that the smooth muscle cell composing the aorta of bicuspid aortic patient, they have reduced defenses to oxidative stress. And uh, since I've joined the lab in January 2014, I've been working on demonstrating that as a result of this reduction of antioxidants, the level of molecules responsible for this oxidative stress, or they're also called free radicals, is elevated. And as a consequence, we observe higher cellular damage due to this oxidative stress in the aortic wall of BAV patients. And so right now we're working on understanding how this happens exactly and what are the signaling pathways that link oxidative stress to degradation of extracellular matrix in BAV patients. I think you have a unique advantage in your research in that, uh, as I understand it, one of you one of your colleagues is Dr. Gleason, mm-hmm. who is a, a cardiothoracic surgeon. Absolutely. So you have the opportunity to get tissue from patients who have this affliction Absolutely. and be able to study the actual tissue a- after surgery. So thanks to our collaboration with Dr. Gleason, we get tissue from patients with a bicuspid valve, and we are very lucky to get specimens from a vast array of degrees of disease. So we get patients that are not aneurysmal with a bicuspid aortic valve and patients with an aneurysm going from, say, 45 millimeter to all the way up to, I don't know, 60 or 65 millimeters. We also study patients with what is called a degenerative aneurysm, meaning that these patients have a normal aortic valve, so tricuspid, but they develop aneurysm later in life. These patients develop an aneurysm 10 to 15 years later in life compared to bicuspid aortic valve. So Dr. Bio, I I, uh, believe that for this type of research, it requires the uh, collaboration and approval of the patient to participate in the research study. Absolutely. Our patients are informed, and they sign a consent to be part of our tissue bank. And uh, I think it's, again, a very fortunate opportunity to have this data. Very much so. So, Dr. Bio, where is the research likely to go from here? I would like to bring a little more of my past expertise to our lab. During my PhD in Bordeaux in France and during my postdoc at the University of Virginia, I was working on cellular communication and specifically on cellular communication between smooth muscle cells. So there are several ways that smooth muscle cells can communicate. One way is called paracrine communication, where one smooth muscle cells would release a substance and then another smooth muscle cells in the area would detect that molecule. But there is another fascinating way of communication, which is done through gap junction. And this type of communication allows cells to exchange molecules directly from the cytoplasm of one cell to another. And this is done via what's called gap junction, and it's kind of like a a mini tunnel, if you will, between the two cells. 
As you can imagine, this smooth muscle cell communication is key in a tissue like the ascending aorta where there are more than 40 layers of smooth muscle cells wrapping the aorta. And it's key because you want all the cells to behave in a fashion and coordinated manner. And I believe that if the extracellular matrix breaks down in case of aneurysm, the gap junctions between those smooth muscle cells are going to break down as well, which is going to reduce the communication between those cells. And I believe this can have dramatic consequences on the smooth muscle cell behavior and can also be involved in the death of the smooth muscle cells in aneurysm, as I mentioned before. So, assuming that your hypothesis is supported by the future studies, uh, what will that do in terms of opportunities for therapy or preventative strategies? The way this will help is that we will get a better understanding of, of the disease and possibly develop new therapeutic targets. Uh, in terms of regeneration, there is another project that we have undergoing in collaboration with Dr. Philippi. And this has to do with the most outer layer of the aorta, which is called the adventitia. And the adventitia has its own microcirculation, which is called the vasa visorum. And this microcirculation is extremely important in providing nutrient and oxygen to the outer layer of the aorta. By providing this nutrient and oxygen, the vasa visorum is crucial in the well-being of the smooth muscle cells of the outside of the aorta. And so what we found is that in patients with an aneurysm, this microcirculation is highly remodeled, and we believe that this remodeling impairs the blood flow in the outer layer of the aorta. And so, as you can imagine, if you have less nutrient and less oxygen, the cells are not going to be very happy. So Dr. Philippi and I are trying to find ways to improve the integrity of the smooth muscle cells in the outer layer of the aorta. So it sounds like you have a uh, big opportunity to make some improvements, but I sense that in terms of clinical availability of these emerging technologies, it's going to be some time before they're clinically available. I believe so, yeah. The the standard of care is still what uh, Dr. Gleason and his surgical colleagues do Mm -hmm. at this point. So Dr. Bio, thank you for joining us today and sharing the insight that uh, you and your research and clinical colleagues are pursuing. We uh, wish you the best in terms of your future studies. I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine for sponsoring this podcast series. And if you have suggestions, you can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, best wishes.